When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Desert Island Dicks. We know it's been a really long break, but uh, there's been all kinds of things going on behind the scenes and some of probably the most stressful months of my life. But things have calmed down again now and I'm really, really happy to say that we've got some great things in store for you. This episode features Izzy Sooty and was really fun to record. She's really nice and also really funny and those two things for me make a great guest. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. We've got loads of other great guests ahead of us and I'm excited to tell you that we've also got a couple of live shows booked in on the 1st and 2nd of December at 21 Soho in central London. Joining us on the second is Stephen K. Amos, who will be brilliant and will tell you all about the guest for the first as soon as we can. But for now, you can get tickets from the link in the description of this episode, and it's also on our social media pages as well. Speaking of social media, if you'd like to get involved in our companion podcast, Compact Dicks, then you can. Just tell us about the people and things you hate at DicksPod on Twitter and Instagram, and we could feature yours in the next episode. Since we've had a bit of a break, it's even more helpful if you can subscribe to this podcast and leave us a nice review and tell your mates about us so we can spread the good gospel according to dicks. Right, I'm going to be back with some more little bits at the end, but you've been starved of dicks for long enough. So let's get stuck into Desert Island Dicks with Izzy Sooty. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, actor and writer of new novel Jane is Trying, Izzy City. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that intro. So, Izzy, uh, you join us on what is kind of, I suppose, a blustery day. It's a good day for sort of sitting indoors ranting about things we hate, I suppose. Yeah, it's really it's really weird. It's like sunny for five minutes and then immediately pouring with rain and really windy, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite like when I went to Cornwall, this is exactly the whole the weather. This is in my head, this is exactly what Cornish weather is like all the time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's great beach weather, isn't it? Yeah. This weather. It's just what you want. <laughs> Sand blowing in your face along with leaves. <laughs> and um, um, just I mean, despite the sort of weather putting us in maybe like an appropriate mood, did you find it easy to compile your list of, of dicks for today? I found it easy to do the food, drink, song and film and animal, especially the animal. Um, but I found it harder to do the dicks. And I think that's because I I absolutely hate the idea of upsetting anyone. So I thought a few people, including my mum, I hate to say, and even by mentioning that, I'm sort of <laughs> potentially upsetting her. So I'm hoping she won't listen to this. But not because she's a dick, but just because it would be really hard to be stuck on a desert island with her, I think. Yeah, and she'd probably yeah. think the same of me. But I thought I can't actually choose her. 
so yeah I, I I found it hard to but what I've done is I've taken the qualities that annoy me about people and um I'm able to talk about them without upsetting anyone but in your head you can know who it is and get the satisfaction yes. from yeah okay <laughs> Um, okay well let's find out more about your the people you've picked then who's going to be the first dick joining you on the island okay so the first dick joining me on the island is anyone who gets married before 7 p.m <laughs> okay <laughs> i feel like that's most people isn't it yeah. yeah yeah so having said that i don't want to offend anyone i actually have probably offended 80 percent of the population but i mm. so we're not married um we're engaged but we have been for about 10 years i'm sure at some point we will get married um so i think seven o'clock maybe is a bit harsh but i was thinking the other day not when i was at a wedding but when i was going past a wedding venue that i'd been at years earlier i was like even the best weddings that i've been to i would never have been unhappy if they'd been a little bit shorter you know like when you go and see a stand-up show and you're like I would have been really happy if that had been 55 minutes and it was an hour and 10. They could have taken a quarter of an hour off. And I, I never go home for a wedding. I'm like, I'm really pleased that I had that extra Sambuca. <laughs> like, I, and I also think there's always a lull, isn't there, between the marriage and then there's that sort of two, sort of one to two hours where everyone goes, hi, I'm Jane. Hi, I'm Keith. And you sort of have Prosecco and you're starving. And Yeah, I was going to say, you're always so hungry. Yeah. It's like dinner, it's like Christmas Day and weddings are the days you eat the latest, but are also drinking that's at the same so, time. That's so true. And then the time that you need the most energy, like cause yeah. there's loads of socialising and kind of introducing yourself to people. And yeah, I think that lull. So what I do is I'd say, get married at seven o'clock, make it quick, <laughs> sort of done by maybe 7.20, mm. no lull. So <laughs> no, yeah. What happens in the lull? Photos, isn't it? Are you married? Yeah, I am married. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's the lull is the photos, isn't it? Oh, you've seen so, it from the yeah. other side. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been to a lot of weddings as well, but I think yeah, that is generally the lull, isn't it? The the worst. It depends a lot on how, how many people you know there as well. Like if you don't know people, like big lull. You know, if you, it's like a mate from work and you've been, you know, you're quite close to them, but you don't really know anyone. Huge gaping lull. But um, yeah, I think there's like there is wedding admin. I think we got round it by just being really disorganised. So it felt like there wasn't a lull. But maybe that was yeah, I was I was in the, the the thick of it. Yeah, I think. But sometimes I imagine if it's your wedding day, there's so much to do and there's so many people to see that you probably wouldn't have your own lull. But you should have thought about the lull from other people's yeah. point of view. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I know it's really stressful. But yeah, I think to lose the lull, you just have to. I think it's maybe signing the register. No, signing the register takes place in the ceremony. I think it's photos. Um, that's a lull in, within the ceremony. That's the lull. Yeah, so lose that lull. Sign it afterwards. No one wants to see it. Yeah, just nip off quickly and do it. Absolutely. Do it at like 11 or midnight when everyone's mm. drunk, right? Yeah. Okay, so lose the signing of the registers in the ceremony. That makes it shorter. No lull within the ceremony. One reading. No one needs more than one reading, okay? Yeah. Then... No lull afterwards. Eat immediately. <laughs> yeah. And if people got married at seven, that would happen. So as people are walking out, they don't get a glass of Prosecco. They are led straight to their tables. 
Yeah, and they can just be one sat there for them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then you don't have to sit with people you don't know. Do you think that's going a bit too far? What was it like doing the table plan? Did you get... That's the hardest part of the wedding, yeah. I think. Well, that and... Well, actually, we did it the night before because <laughs> we, were, we weren't very organised. The hardest bit is working out who to invite. And then the table plan is sort of like doing that again a little bit. We forgot a couple of people, off, left it off. We had like guests going, sorry, I can't find myself on the table. And we were like... <laughs> Oh, we told a friend to write it down. He must not have had the right <laughs> list or something. We're like, fucking hell. Because <laughs> I think we did it about midnight the night before. Oh, that um, is so brilliant. And some auntie was just like, I don't seem to be put anywhere. I've checked. Um, oh. Yeah, I d- so I had a run of going to weddings and getting stuck. Like, you know, you go to a friend's wedding. You go, oh, this is great. I love it. Like, there's so many good people here. I can't wait. And then I'd end up on a table with like uncles and aunties and like friends of family. And I was like, why does this keep happening to me? And then someone kindly suggested that it might be because like I'm okay with small talk. So it makes you know safe pair of hands with an auntie, whoever. But that's shit because I don't care if they have an awkward time. I want to be sat with my friends getting drunk and having a nice time. Yeah. And I definitely did that with other people. There was friends of mine. I was like, you've picked the short straw, but you're a really safe pair of hands with like the older people. I know. It's like... It's a strength that's actually going to go against you, isn't it? Yeah, you want to be like antisocial, bad at talking to parents. You want to be monosyllabic to anyone except your close friends, don't you? Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like, I definitely have that feeling where you sit down and you're like, who am I on the table with? Who am I on the table with? And then it's like, you've got a mate, but right across a really round table. Then either side of you are people you don't know. And I, I have had brilliant conversations with strangers at weddings but I think often when it's a long meal it's like you get that feeling when you first sit down you're like what am I gonna I can't think of anything to say and we've maybe got two two and a half hours if speeches are long so I did go to one wedding where there was no table plan it was like a buffet and you just sat wherever you wanted and there weren't even tables it was just kind of like cushions and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and that was good I suppose why do people want people to sit with people they don't know i suppose it's so that you can feel like everyone's come together to a mixed yeah i quite like it when you sort of have new friends at a wedding and you have a real wedding fun yeah and you can have like you can dance with them later can't you and have like loads of fun yeah, well, you get like a little in joke, and they'll like someone will come. Oh, do you know Uncle Tim's? Like, do I? Oh, this guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Legend. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just get. I had it once where I got sat at a table, and everyone. I think it was me and my wife, and then everyone else was at least seventy-five, maybe older, except for another couple who were delayed in traffic, so didn't get there till like three hours later so then there was on my other side there was this big gap where the nice fun young people should have been and then so I still had to kind of make conversation with the octogenarian who was hard of hearing and like two feet away as well oh man that was hard work I was just like I think by the end I was just sort of like pining just yearningly looking across the table you know like they're kind of if you love them go to them you know yeah it can feel like that I um I remember being at one wedding years ago and um the conversation was like had completely dried up like and we were only on the first course and I was like shit right I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep so I was like what's everyone's favorite pudding let's go round the table so people started off and they were like eating mess chocolate cake then it got to this guy um halfway around the table and he was like mint chocolate chip ice cream licked off my naked girlfriend's body and then the whole table just went 
<laughs> silent. Um, wow. And yeah, that was that was great. Um, I went to another wedding actually where people left to go to a party, which wow. is yeah, and I heard them discussing it, and it wasn't even like. I can't really think of a party that you'd leave a wedding to go to. But anyway, it was literally just like, oh, so-and-so is having a housewarming. They were like, should we go? And I heard them discussing it. I didn't think anyone could hear. And then they were like, and we've got to go. We've had an emergency. And we felt so, it was a really small wedding. So we hid where they'd been with like, we put loads of flowers like on the seats and the bride and groom didn't notice. But I was like, who goes to a frigging party? Like... Yeah, um, wow. but you see, all this would be solved if you got married after seven, don't yeah, you Yeah, you're right, because I think often, I I mean, I love weddings, and I kind of do like the whole day, but yeah, like, you're right, all of the awkwardness comes from there just not being enough pace, and just to just whiz through it, and if it was at seven, you know that probably, you know, then you wouldn't be eating for as long, the dancing's going to come quicker. Speeches would be quicker. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think this is a good a good tactic. So, okay. And also maybe, I mean, this is including a lot of people, but I guess if you include all people who have weddings before seven, that includes the really drawn out long ones where they've been thinking about it since they were four and there's like all these details that no one cares about and yeah. readings from people who can't read very well. And yeah, okay, that's good. All right, people who have weddings before 7pm <laughs> join you <laughs> on the that island. That means I can never get married before 7pm now. Yeah, you're kind of stuck. Or yeah. I guess, but then you could have, I suppose you can have a nice time with very close family and then just have a massive evening party. And yes. Everyone's invited to the evening do. Yes. Maybe I can help be your wedding planner. Use my years of experience. <laughs> no, I'm going to, if you do your table plan the night before, I don't think you're going to be a very good <laughs> wedding planner. Just leave point. it all. It'll be fine. Don't choose flowers. We'll pick them in the morning. No, maybe a consultant. I'm good at, I'm good yeah. at going to weddings. <laughs> Yeah. In that I'm a human and I turn up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who's going to be the next person or next dick joining you? Okay. So the next dick who is joining me, and this is based on a specific person, but I'm hoping they won't know who it is, is um, anyone who takes a selfie more than once. Oh, yeah. Now, it was going to be anyone who takes a selfie because I don't really take selfies. Mm. Um, but... I thought that that would be probably 98% of the population who have phones. So I was like, okay, that's that's harsh. Getting married before 7pm is not. Um, <laughs> um, but, but I yeah. think it's a behaviour that we've all learned, but maybe could do with sort of shelving again. You know, like because it's normalised doesn't mean it's good for us as a species. Yeah, I think that's it. It's like... I find something deeply disturbing about a selfie and I've often thought about what it could be. And I think... So in the 80s, if you had like an album of holiday snaps and there was a selfie in inverted commas, you would have turned the camera around and hoped that it was pointing in the right direction. Or you might have got someone else to take a picture of you um, and it would look like a selfie. But there was a kind of innocence to them because you couldn't know what you looked like. You couldn't put any filters on it. You just had to go to Boots and get it developed and stuff. And I... I am guilty as anyone of going on social media too much, but I I just feel like people who take selfies more than once, I'm like, just don't worry. Just <laughs> don't worry. If you want to put a selfie online, that's fine, but just do it and then do something else. Don't spend, mm. I don't know, maybe hours. I don't know, like getting it right or putting effects on it. I'm just like, it's it's so it so just doesn't mean anything 
Yeah. And I think it isn't very good for you to... I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's not very good, I don't think, to present this kind of idealised version of yourself. But also, I just don't think it's very good at you, for you to look at your own face for that long <laughs> and, like, zoom in on them and be like, oh, that freckle's got bigger since I was six. And, uh, yeah, I just... Because uh... I've, I've seen people on the train when I used to commute into work and, like, they're going through about 12 pictures of themselves and trying to choose which one to post. And you're like... They're all the same. They're all the same fucking picture. Like, I know I shouldn't be looking at your phone over your shoulder, but maybe it will just help you if I just say, they're all the fucking same. No one cares. Just put it up. And there's not even any context to it. It's not like, oh, this is me holding this cute dog or like, here I am in front of a nice thing. It's it's just you, nothing else. Just don't bother, you know. I think a lot of things, and I sort of do it to myself a lot, like I kind of get halfway through posting something like, what should I write? And I'm like, no one gives a fuck about any of this. I'll delete it. And that generally, I think, could be applied to... The, I think all of us could do with a bit of that. Yeah, and I know what you mean. Like, what I find really sinister, I suppose, about... I'm not on Facebook, but Twitter, is that when you tweet, it's presented as a spontaneous thought. Hmm. But there's something about saving it in drafts that feels really... <laughs> it's just like a business thing. You're like, oh, yes, yeah, so I'll go and look at that draft later and be like, oh, just taken a walk and seen some yellow leaves. Wow. And it's like, you know, two o'clock in the morning, you're like, shall I say yellow leaves or leaves that were yellow? As you say, no one gives a shit. And it also, it's like ticker tape. It just disappears. Now, I know that there are people who use social media for different things. And I also know there are people who are chronically ill and who are housebound and who have lots of different needs who use it. And I'm not talking about those people, actually. They can take as many selfies as they want. But I'm talking about people who just will, I don't know, stand outside Buckingham Palace and take 100 shots and just be looking at their own face and not mm. at the amazing architecture behind them <laughs> and kind of going, yeah, do I... You're essentially saying, do I look fit? I think yeah, aren't you yeah, isn't that yeah so I just don't think that's very good for people like I think any psychiatrist would probably go I think they should probably just be walking around and like having a conversation or looking at nature I've realized that I think the worst selfies I've just noticed people do there's a type that like there's obviously like a type of person who kind of thinks I like posting pictures of myself looking really fit online yeah but in the summer that's easier because I'm wearing fewer clothes yes. and I look better but in the winter, there's not as many opportunities. And I've noticed people kind of going, oh, really missing this weather. I wish I could be back here so you can see me <laughs> in the thong on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like, we're all miserable. It's cold. Like, you can look hot in a scarf. Come on. Like, obviously, the pictures of you in a bathing suit are better. But it's so sort of like crowbarred in you're like oh wishing i was back in dubai i know you're so right there it's like there are some stand-ups who don't update their set ever so they've got stuff that's 20 years old so they'll have like a bit about i don't know um say die hard um <laughs> and uh they have to find a way of getting into it because it's so old so they'll sort of be like oh um my kid was watching Die Hard the other day and I rewatched it and here's my Die Hard material. And I saw feel the same. It's like, kind of like, mm, just thinking about summer and remembered this bathing suit. Or I hate like throwback to like, mm. basically you want people to say you look hot. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. So it's just many, many different ways of asking people to tell you you look hot. 
Because if an attractive person says, I'm feeling insecure, can you tell me I look good in this bikini? Like, that's fine. And in a way, that's yeah, better that's for me I because it's less it, creepy yeah. than if I say, looking great because <laughs> I'm married and I've got kids and I shouldn't be doing that. You know, but if, they, if a friend of mine was like, do you think I look good in this, you know, in this outfit? I'd be like, yeah, you look hot. That's great. You know, then that's okay. And then they yeah. get the self-realisation. I totally agree. I think if you were just like, I'm not having a great day and I'd love people to tell me that I look nice. Like, I actually think that's fine. Although you should still just put up the one selfie. It's um, something that I don't know. Like, I'm really interested to see what happens over the next 10 or 20 years, whether it gets worse or whether people kind of move away from it. And yeah. I wonder if they should have like on your phone... Because I think part of the thing of like when we had cameras with filming, you know, it's like you're not going to take eight selfies with it because it's like a waste. And you've yeah, only exactly. got 24, you've got 24 photos. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they should limit. You should have like a daily or there could be an app that limits your daily count. So you're like, OK, well, these selfies didn't turn out right, but I better save some photos. So I've got something for, I don't know, whatever I'm going to eat later that I'll have to take a yeah, picture exactly. of. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, God, that's another thing, isn't it? People who take photos of food. I feel like that's a type of selfie. That's a sort of a... Absolutely it is. Although I have to say, I think it's probably one notch better than the selfie because at least, I don't know, unless it's like, ooh, look at this tiny salad. I don't know. But if it's like, wow, look at this meal or look at this meal I've made, I sort of think at least that involves like creativity and arrangement of the food and stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's fair. And on a desert island setting as well, like having someone that's sitting there snapping away. Oh my away. God, yeah. Can you imagine? It would be like having one person from Love Island. Yeah. Like it would just be, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, it's definitely it's something that needs to be controlled. And I think, yeah, like until we have an app on our phone that can limit the number of selfies you can take, I think um, I'm with you. They're annoying get on the island with you. I don't think it can be an app because I think you'd have to choose to download it. I think the government would have to impose um, a selfie limit, which doesn't sound Orwellian and weird at all. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, sometimes if you're doing banking these days online and it sort of says like, you're setting up a new person to pay and it says, you know, could this be a scam? Have you checked? Yes. So maybe like before you take, there's something like that happens. It pops up and it's like, do you need to take this photo? Is this photo funny or interesting? No, maybe go back. That's great. Or the phone could have inbuilt technology. So if it isn't funny or interesting enough, it just won't work. <laughs> Again, not Orwellian or weird at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's move on from that now. Who's going to be the final dick joining you on the island? So the final dick, because I don't care about upsetting myself, is me uh, <laughs> when I was younger. So specifically about... 14. Right. Okay. Good. Why were you such a dick? <laughs> well, I, so the first thing I used to do, and I, it feels harsh to say this is dickish behavior, but it was certainly twatish behavior, <laughs> is that I would basically, because I was the youngest in my year, I shall blame my parents for when I was conceived. <laughs> I basically used to do anything that anyone told me to do because I was always like trying to kind of catch up. So, like, they dare me to do stuff and I would just do it. So, I jumped off a bridge. Um, in the middle of the park when I was like 13 or 14 um, into running water and it was raining and the water looked deep enough to just swim to the side because it wasn't really a deep river and the bridge was pretty high it was probably about 15 feet high 
So I jumped through the air. All my friends ran away apart from one girl called Erin Condren. And I'm so pleased she stayed. And um, I landed and I had bright red hair and it was like all in front of my eyes. And I was like, my eyes are bleeding. My eyes are bleeding. I've gone blind. And I was like, oh, no, it's my hair. And then I... <laughs> but because the water was actually much shallower than it looked from the top, my left foot landed at right angles to the ankle and I broke it. <laughs> So I couldn't walk home and had to be wheeled home on my then boyfriend's skateboard. And then there was a lot of hoo-ha about how did this happen? I said that someone pushed me in the duck pond. Then he found out and threatened to beat up my boyfriend. So I was like, wove this web of lies basically about how it happened. And then in the end just had to be like, someone told me to jump off a bridge and I did. And everyone was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So um, I don't want anyone like that on the island. Yeah, fair enough. Because yeah, I think as a parent, like your natural response would be like, what, your friends told you to do it? And if your friends told you to jump off a bridge, would you? Oh, no, you did. <laughs> yeah. You did. Like, that was, damn it. That, I can't even use the classic. On you. <laughs> I know. I literally did the, what, what's it called? Um, a proverb, I suppose. I carried out the proverb. You could have found me with a rolling stone trying to gather moss the week afterwards. Like, yeah, it's so weird. It was like, literally did the thing that, that is used to illustrate the fact that you shouldn't do the thing. Um, and it took ages for, so I was on crutches for six weeks and um, there were loads of things like I'd never been on crutches and I never have since actually. Stuff like I went to McDonald's in Derby and because of the crutches, I couldn't reach my, like, because Mm. you have your arms through the crutches and I distinctly remember being like, I can't reach my tray and the woman (laughs) had to push it towards me. Like, I remember all these things like, yeah, um, also getting really into Wimbledon because I didn't, I couldn't do anything. I just lay on the sofa and watched Wimbledon. But I was like, I'm going to be a tennis champion. I don't want to be an actress anymore. Um, but it was just because I fancied Agassi. Yeah. Being on an island with any 14-year-old would be difficult. Oh, yeah, for sure. My teenage years are so bad because like, sometimes you'd have an all right conversation, but then sometimes there'd also be a child again. And like you're just, you'd just be wincing at yourself and you'd be like, just let it go. It's going to be okay. You won't care about this in a while. But you just got to watch yourself doing it and sort of going, hey, do you want me to jump off that big thing over there? Like, I'll climb up the palm tree and like, don't, even though that would be quite useful right now. Yeah, you're so right, because 14 is like, in some ways you are quite independent, aren't you? But you have also got that streak of like, not being aware of danger, I think. So, mm. and sort of bitch suddenly being Mardi. Like, I would be, I was so kind of like, oh, the world, like nothing is real. Like, uh, I wrote loads of songs and they were all just like, so angsty, like about boys that would never go out with me and like, um, so stuff like the children of tomorrow like just me- doesn't mean anything so yeah. like if I was on the island I'd just be- with my guitar it would be even mm. worse like just playing <laughs> songs that only contain the chords D, G and A um, again and again um, <laughs> maybe a bit of E minor if people were lucky but yeah I was definitely like I think also 14 year olds are often quite inward looking aren't they yeah it's such a like I mean no wonder teenagers are just such a pain in the ass because it's like you're so just in the middle of so much worry all the time like never being comfortable like even when you're with your friends you don't know if you trust any of them or like you know you're like oh he's my best friend but we've fallen out because he's a real dick at the minute must be like it's like being on a reality show or something yeah you're so right and now at the risk of sounding really old now they've all got phones as well which i didn't and maybe you didn't when you were in school depending on how old you are 
like that adds a whole other layer of reality show, doesn't it? Because yeah. you can literally be like, I just Snapchatted him and he didn't, like, I can't imagine how hard, much harder it is to be 14 now. Like, I know. I'm thinking of sending my boys away to some kind of like Shaolin monastery or something. Because it's a bit like boarding school, but it's free and they'll be Buddhists. So they won't resent me as much afterwards because they'll be, you know, just sort of Zen. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's the plan. Buddhists are, are, are good dudes. Yeah. Mm, I think that's, yeah. a, that's Everyone a good. Everyone likes a Buddhist. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I think I would have quite liked that when I was 14 like I definitely I was always trying to get like I was like I live in a small town I'm so bored like I used to write loads of poems about like breaking free and stuff um, and kind of fantasize about like getting out and I moved out actually when I was 17 to my best friend's house and um, then just moved back like two months later when I realised that I couldn't cook and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I think teenagers generally on the island would probably be difficult. But I think I was, I, I was also always trying to do whatever I could to kind of be rebellious within the boundaries that were set for me. For example, like my parents were quite strict about me like going to parties and stuff. Hmm. But um, me and my friend decided to stay up for as many nights as we could without the aid of anything except coffee. This is when we were 14. I smoked then. So we just got really, really drunk at this kind of um, local conservative club type thing on a housing estate. <laughs> then went back to her house and were like, let's stay awake all night. This is the first night. We drank loads of instant coffee and smoked all night and managed to do a whole night. And I started to feel really sick. And then <laughs> like... I went home and mum and dad were like, what's the match? And I was like, I've been up all night. And they were like, drugs, drugs. And I was like, no, actually, just Nescafe. And then the idea was we were going to do it for three nights, like an experiment. And then I just like started crying at 9am and went to bed. I just think it's so fucking hard being around teenagers. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and even that's the thing I think about when my boys are like that age and just sort of going, I know this is what, and you, but you can't even say that because you don't understand even that, you know, like that. That's the classic, isn't it? So, like, yeah. you'll be there on the island with your 14-year-old self being like, Izzy, it's okay. Like, I know what you're thinking. It's like, you don't know me. He's like, I am you. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, it's just going to be like a horrible, angsty wormhole. You're so right. Like, the 14-year-old wouldn't believe that I was the older version of her. And yeah. it'd just I'd never me. turn out like you. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it would be like that. Definitely. Like, I also think it must be really hard to be a teenager it's really easy to forget isn't it like as you say oh, you've got definitely. so many worries going around when you look back on being a teenager I think you think I don't know about you but when I do I'm like oh I was with my mates all the time I had a really nice boyfriend as well for a lot of my teenage years who was like a bit, little bit older but so nice like I remember it being like a real laugh but actually mm. it wasn't like that at the time it was like me going oh my black eyeliner's too thick today and you know <laughs> mum told me that I couldn't go to this gig Ned's atomic dustbin and and those things are actually really real just because now they seem superficial they really weren't at the time were they no definitely definitely yeah oh man yeah I'm so glad I don't have to do that again or yeah. be it, I have to watch my kids well yeah exactly <laughs> we've had kids so <laughs> 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 okay well i think they're a, a fine set of choices to start you off on the island so yeah it's, it's already a very uncomfortable environment for you so fair enough and well chosen uh now mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane there was some food and drink left over unfortunately for you it's your least favorite food and drink in the world what are they and why are they so bad the food is shredded wheat and the drink is tequila 
Mm. Good choices. Imagine pouring tequila onto shredded wheat as if it was milk. <laughs> um, so the reason I hate shredded wheat, I just hate the texture of it. I think it tastes like hay. Um, I don't like the way it's formed into a kind of weird nest. I don't know what glues it together. Um, I like the cakes that are like, you know, when people put chocolate on it. And oh, yeah, it like it's like, like a little nest. Yeah, with mini eggs in mini it. Eggs, yeah. I will it. eat those. Oh, that's, yeah, but I mean, that's okay. That's I mean, all right. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially chocolate. I mean, I'd eat chocolate on most things. So mm. um, I think we have to disregard the cake. Just say, if we're looking at shredded wheat on its own, no. And I think also you can't sweet Like with, um, say like Weetabix or cornflakes, if you find it a bit bland, you can put sugar on it or honey. I feel like with shredded wheat, the texture of it, like if you put sugar or honey on it, it would just go into all the cracks and kind of sink to the, yeah. <laughs> the bottom of the bowl. Because they sort of like, they've kind of realised, you know, that you get the sort of mini cereals that are like, they've got like a raisin inside and miniature shredded wheat or like some fruit inside or something. Like I can't think what they've got, like raisin bran or something. But they're quite, they're all right because they're small. They've got a little surprise inside. But when it's just like a bigger version, I mean, it's so like a, it's like Brillo pads for breakfast. It's like an abrasive scourer. It is. And I don't even really like the little ones, which I suppose are like a breakfast ravioli, aren't they? Um, but I, yeah. I don't like, I mean, I think... <laughs> If you're going to put one raisin, which I think you're right, I think they all contain one raisin, into those mini shredded wheats, put loads of raisins inside a big shredded wheat because that would make it more interesting. There'd be an incentive to get to the middle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could put something different in each one and like every thousandth one could have a £50 note or something. I'm just thinking of a way of making, <laughs> making it more appetising. But do you know what the other thing... Now I'm imagining eating it. The other thing that's really unsatisfactory about shredded wheat is if you take a spoonful of it especially with a teaspoon and my dad used to always use a teaspoon to eat cereal I think because when he was a student he probably didn't have much money and he was like it'll make it last longer and he just (laughs) never got out of the habit um so if you take a spoonful of shredded wheat it just it doesn't come away in a in a good way there's always like a jagged edge Mm. so you sort of have to eat it quite clumsily it's like eating a bit of a cliff edge or something (laughs) (laughs) i I just think they're one of those things like rich tea biscuits where it's like it's 2021 we've got other opportunities now we've seen we've seen past these you know you've got chocolate hobnobs you've got chocolate hobnobs with caramel in them why does a rich tea biscuit you you know think of all the cereals we've got we've got honey you know crunchy nut cornflakes crunchy nut and cornflakes clusters or sure. granola or something you know and you can buy that in a bar to eat on yeah. the bus if you you know why who's still buying this like why are these you know what yeah, the fuck so is right. going it's on it's like Vianetta or something I know that people have nostalgia for Vianetta but like my friends coming around on Saturday night to watch Married at First Sight and we were like let's get some really like sort of half shit snacks and she was like yeah Vianetta wagon wheels and at first I was like yeah Vianetta then I thought I don't know, because I feel like I'll take the first bite of it and I'll be like, a bit like the shredded wheat thing, I'll be like, why are they still making this and who's buying it? Like, <laughs> I think if you're going to have a pudding like Viennetta, you could have like Arctic roll or chocolate Swiss roll or something. Or I think Viennetta is sort of a bit yesteryear, but then a bit of me does still really like the taste. So I wonder if I'm being a... 
too harsh on it by putting it in mm. the same. I think the thing is with Vinetta is it's like it was presented like a dessert rather than an ice yes. cream. Yes. But like in the advert, they had like a nice cake slice, didn't they? And it was like, yeah. was it one slice is never enough? Was that Vionetta? I think it was. Yeah, well done. Like, yeah, I think it was. You know, it was like, oh, a Vionetta. It was like, you know, it had a little plastic tray it came on, you know, and it would just stay out on the table and you'd slice it up like a cake. It wasn't just like a scoop of ice cream. But it's not in either camp, really, is it? It's like straddling. Yeah, it's trying to be two things, maybe. It needs to work out what it is. You see, the thing is, shredded wheat, I think, is probably one of the healthier cereals. But even if you were trying to be healthy, there are so many options, like bran flakes, muesli with nardid sugar. I don't understand why you would... I think what it is, is it looks like it shouldn't be eaten. It looks like something from an art gallery or like a thing from nature, like a thing you'd find in the forest. Yeah, something from the country. It's like a thatched yes, roof, it isn't is, it? is, or like yeah. a wasp's. Yeah. You could imagine people being like, oh, this is a special type of wasp's nest. Don't touch <laughs> yeah. it. Don't prod it with a stick. <laughs> don't pour milk on <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> they hate that. <laughs> That's literally the worst thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think earlier I was thinking that getting older for me feels like just letting go of more and more foods that I used to be able to eat with no consequence you know and I like food and I like cooking so you know often it's like finding a nice new alternative or going well actually I like you know if I do it in this way it's all right but like yeah like I'm not gonna eat fucking should we I'll have porridge or like toast or something yeah I know my toast can be brown sure porridge can be nice but it doesn't have to be that yeah you're right It, it it doesn't you kind of do you mean like, because I was looking at super noodles yesterday in Sainsbury's and thinking, God, I used to eat so many super noodles. Oh, I love super noodles. Yeah, you see, so I still really love super noodles. I probably wouldn't want them every night. Like I used to have a su- a packet of super noodles with half a tin of tuna and a block of cheese like every night. I don't <laughs> think I'd do that now. But like, I don't know. I feel like I've got a kind of weakness for super noodles because they just uh, taste so nice. And when I used to work, at, I used to work in the Obbins head office with this guy called Alex Harcourt-Smith, and he was so brilliant. And every day he'd be like, I'll make us lunch today, Izzy. And he would somehow make this sort of gourmet meal out of like super noodles, but not using the flavour sachet. Like, And he'd just bring in soy sauce, super noodles, and like, I don't know, something like some protein, but something sort of from a tin and maybe some frozen peas that he'd put in the microwave with the super noodles. And it would taste absolutely amazing. Yeah, so I, I think, like to poach yeah. an egg in them. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's good. That makes it feel more acceptable yeah. to be eating them at home. Yeah, I just—it's just because the other day I had this recollection that you know how we can all remember where we were when we found out about nine eleven, and I was—I uh, think I was nineteen—and I remember like going home. Uh, I just got back from my gap year because I'm middle class, and I was at my mum's house, and I'd made my lunch, and I sat down in front of the telly and turned it on like holy shit, nine eleven. Um, or just today as we called it at the time but like what I was having was super noodles on toast and that's like because I used to think well you have beans on toast so I'll just have super noodles on toast that makes it a real that you know ballast you know and but now when I look back and I was like that was my meal when I found out about 9-11 like where were you when JFK was shot like I was eating pop tarts <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, wow, I'm quite interested in how you did this then. Did you have butter on the toast and how did you eat it? Because I presume that they would like... Did you eat it with a knife and fork? Yeah, like it would have been knife so, and fork. Yeah. It would have been like beans on toast, I think. 
do you think you would have had butter on the toast or just whack the super noodles on? I think I would have gone butter, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we've thoroughly, like, um, hammered the nails into the coffin of shredded wheat. <laughs> and then tequila, you're going to wash it down with tequila. <laughs> yeah, um, so I have a thing against tequila. Like, basically, around the um, 14-year-old era, I drank half a bottle of tequila in slammers in about half an hour with Oof. my friend. Um and I also ate the tequila worm as well. Oh. I know. And I basically, because it was because we'd drunk it so quickly in about half an hour, I was like, nothing's happened. I don't feel drunk. And then it was like, oh, my God, I'm so drunk. <laughs> and I went downstairs. My parents were out. It was New Year's Eve. And um, we had a mantelpiece in the dining room with quite a hard floor. And I, like a bear in a cave swept my hand along the whole mantelpiece and knocked everything onto the floor including wow. like ornaments they got given at their wedding and stuff glasses frame picture frames smashed and i was just like uh um and i had a rabbit who lived in the shed and our bikes were in the shed as well mine and my sisters so me and my mate went into the shed and we were going up the hill to a party I lived in a really hilly area. We were like, let's ride the bikes up to this party. So we started trying to ride these bikes that were completely covered in hay. It's weird. It's like that. there's a real hay theme today with the shredded wheat and the super noodles. But anyway, um, yeah, the shed was a bit of a mess because of the rabbit. So the bikes were actually covered in like hay. And we were like trying to ride these bikes up the hill. And mum and dad were walking down the hill at the same time. They were like, oh my God, is he? And I was like, they were like, you can't ride a bike. You're too drunk. How has this happened? I was like... I don't know, but I've just run my hand along the mantelpiece and everything's broken. Bye! And then just <laughs> went to this party. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was a really bleak night. And I still remember how sick I felt. And I still remember, sorry if this is too gross and you can lose it, but I <laughs> I basically went to the toilet, into the toilet at this party and threw up all night and then just was just falling asleep under the toilet waking up and like throwing up again and someone oh, wa- wrapped me in damp towels and I felt <laughs> like I was in like train spying or something basically I was like this is not good yeah it's like it's it's a terrible one to come back up as well it's like it's so yeah. sort of acidic and strong and fiery it's like I like being sick is never pleasant but some drinks are worse than others and tequila is so hard to come back from like I can't I think I, I had a night with it at uni, not even an eventful night. I just drank too much tequila. There's no good story, but like, you know, that was being 19 and I, I used to love it. I used to like, I used to be able to sip it. I was a cool guy. Oh, wow. I loved tequila, you know, like that was my thing. And I'd been to Mexico on my gap year and I was, I can drink tequila, guys. <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, it's probably good that I was sick of it. Stop me being such an unbearable wanker. Because it stopped you from being like, have you got aged 40-year-old tequila? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, now if it's like disguised, you know, if it's in a margarita or something, like that's okay. If it's not too strong, so I can't get a smell. Like, every now and again on my birthday, someone goes, here you go, Dan. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'll buy you a drink, but like, I just take this away from me. Like, and I've tried a couple of times. Like, come on, you got to be all right now. And there's yeah, no way. Me too. So I've tried a couple of times since then because, as you say, it's one of those drinks that people buy, isn't it? Without, if you're going to do shots, I'm glad that Sambuca feels like it's kind of taken over in the tequila stakes um, for me in recent years. I quite like Sambuca, um, but like tequila. 
that thing of someone someone coming towards you with a tray of tequila and um some lemons and and, yeah. a, and a jar of salt and you're just like oh god and i have tried it a couple of times with the salt and the lemon which obviously when we did it in my bedroom in the slammers we didn't have any salt or lemons we were just literally slamming it and drinking it um <laughs> I was like, maybe if I drink it in the proper way with the salt and lemon, and each time, I've only done it a couple of times, I've just been like, no, I'm done. Me and tequila are done. But also, like, licking salt isn't nice. Then no. drinking tequila isn't nice. And, like, the sweet relief of biting on a sour lemon. I like, know. what the fuck is going on? Like, this, that's not nice. Why is that the good bit? It's like biting know, into you're, a lemon. You're so and you're right. like, oh, God, just lemon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do love the idea, though, that when you were sitting there sipping it, you were doing the salt and the lemon with every sip. So <laughs> it just looked like, what is that guy doing? Like, yeah. constantly got a line of salt on his yeah, on it's his really hand. high blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it, I just... And I, there is a bit of envy, because I, like, I wish I could still knock it back and be, you know... Because it is a cool drink. It sounds cool. Tequila. I don't know. Something about it's it. It's a good like, word. Tequila. Mm. It's cool. It sounds like very alive, doesn't it? Mm. It kind of says party. But yeah. yeah, for me, Sambuca does the same. Fair enough. Well, yeah, Sambuca, um, Sambuca isn't joining you, sadly, but tequila is. So um, there you go. Okay. Now, Izzy, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? My least favourite film is Wolf Creek, and my least favourite song is This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. And I, I think that's what it's called. I think you'll probably know which one I mean. It's the one where they keep saying, this is me. It's, it feels like, and I've got into trouble with a friend of mine who's, um, my friend Kerry like, was actually genuinely quite cross with me when me and Tom Kerridge were laying into how much we dis- disliked musicals. So she'll have to not listen to this bit. I, 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 I listened to this song and it feels like it's like an absolute paint it by numbers playbook of a musical song. It's sort of like, I'm different, but you can't defeat me because I'm special. And it was just like, maybe I don't know anything about musicals, so maybe I'm wrong, but it just felt like, I'm sure I've heard this song a million times. Have you watched the film? No. My daughter's six and she's just sort of getting into Greatest Showman. And I think one of the reasons I don't like this song is literally because I've heard it so many times already. And I think there are some songs that you can hear hundreds of times and you won't ever get annoyed by them. But I think the vast majority, if you hear it enough, you're just like, please, please just don't, <laughs> don't let me hear it again. Um, I don't know the storyline. And maybe if I knew the storyline, I'd be like, this is so moving. This is brilliant. Yeah, because you're but, invested in the characters. Yeah, but coming at it from outside, like I took my daughter to see Matilda, the musical on stage uh, on Sunday. And the music is amazing. And one of the songs just made me cry. It was like someone pressed a button and tears were just flowing down my cheeks. And I really actually like musicals. So Carrie, if you're listening, I'm not against them at all. (laughs) But I think I feel the same as you. I feel like this song, it doesn't have much kind of light and shade to it. It just feels a bit like, this is me. Maybe it's a bit like a pop song and I don't really like pop. It could just be that the style... I think that was that was right my kind of excuse because I think yeah I don't really like pop music that much so and it is yeah these days musicals are like pop music aren't they so it's like 
I know it just feels like I'm listening to Christina Aguilera, beautiful. You know, it's that same like... Yes, it is. It's like everyone's different, guys. But yeah, yeah, you're so right. You know, yeah. it's like a film that you can like look at yourself in the mirror when you're crying and come on, pick yourself up. Go yeah. out there and get them. You know, and, and maybe I'm just too cynical for that. Yeah, no, I think you know? you're right. Like, it feels like maybe are we just too old for it is that why kids like it you know they should have that attitude if you're a kid it's perfect you know like yeah yeah, go get them the world is yours be different celebrate your difference because now it's like yeah i'm different it's fine i'm fine with that (laughs) i'm actually turns out i'm not that different as well you know i'm also fine (laughs) with that i thought i was different then i found a forum of loads of people who (laughs) who were different (laughs) in exactly the same way as me yeah you're so right like I think that's it. I think we've hit the nail on the head. I think if 14-year-old me, who is not allowed on the island, heard this, and it didn't exist when I was 14, she would go, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, you know, this. these are my people. I'm a misfit. Mm. And so it could be that, just that it's too young for us and we're yeah. old and cynical. But that's fine. I'm really happy with that. Mm. But I think I think being stuck with that sort of song on a desert island, like... Being in a hopeless situation with a song about hope would just be really annoying because it's like, oh, just fuck off. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe one day you're like, you hear it in a different light and you're like, no, wait, we are going to make this happen. You're going to try and make a raft or something and then it just goes wrong and then it comes on again the next day. And you're like, <laughs> oh, fuck off. Yeah. yeah, there'd be one occasion where it would be quite good. and Because there's this bit where it kind of goes, you got to be bold, you got to be brave, you got to be free. I think that's right. So I can imagine if you were making a raft and you were all working together and all singing it, that might be quite good. But as you say, when the raft kind of gets ripped apart by wild animals on the island, you're like, great, we're back to square one. <laughs> yeah. And that comes on. You're like, no. Yeah, someone starts humming it again. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're like time's sh- passed. Just reminds me of the, the raft. Yeah. <laughs> yes. okay and uh what, what did you think you said uh wolf creek yeah so i've picked wolf creek and uh which is a horrible horror film um about so i watched it um quite a few years ago with my friend joel um who i was living with and we were like let's watch a film we're both in and we were like we don't know what this is about but let's watch it and it's about basically as far as i remember these hitchhikers who get caught by a psychopath and tortured and killed i think they don't all die but that's kind of irrelevant because it's so harrowing to watch and i don't know why we carried on watching it because after about half an hour it's just like this is so horrible it's just grim like and also i remember thinking there's no plot it felt like they'd just gone let's do all these horrible special effects and let's make life really horrible for these people with absolutely no redemption and the characters are required to be brave at certain times by trying to escape but that comes to nothing like it doesn't follow the normal um tracks of of a storyline there's 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 no satisfaction in terms of the plot it's just relentlessly horrible and it's kind of put me off those types of films with horror films i just think there's like a bit where everyone's sitting around in a writer's room going like Or should they, how would they kill them? Should I kill them in this horrible way? Or like, maybe if they cut their eyes out first, but then use like a sort of a needle. And that conversation must be so weird to look on. Like, you know, if it's like a really sad film, it's like, oh, what if then like it turns out that her mum's got cancer and then, and then she's estranged from her. You go, okay, well, I sort of, you know, you're trying to be mean, but in a fun, like an interesting way. No, sure. And also if there's some redemption or the, protagonist is tested and then changes and finds peace i can sort of see 
but you're right. Like if you're having those really technical conversations, I just can't imagine being in the writer's room and being like, yeah, we need three gallons of fake blood because we're doing this bit. Unless it was like, but then after that, she's going to do this and this and this. And I think probably that is the case with a lot of horror films. Um, But this one, and I think there must be more like this, where it's essentially like sort of watching like a snuff film. Like it's just horrible. I think I need a plot. And I do I do quite like horror as a genre, to be honest. I don't watch that many horror films, but like I've watched really scary ones like The Ring and, and stuff like that. And I think they're my favourite ones. Um, I think there's one called The Labyrinth. Like I like ones that are kind of psych horror, I suppose, or folk horror, a bit like The Wicker Man I love, um, and not perhaps ones that are just so violent. When I watch a trailer even for new ones, it's like, this just looks like, like you say, like a snuff film. And it's like, I don't know how the people can make it and sort of still be okay, normal people. Yeah, I know what you mean. I wonder if it's like, you know, like if you're making a really harrowing drama, like I watched Tyrannosaur recently, um, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like an amazingly acted film um, about like really hard hitting stuff. And it's just so well written and done and lots of really emotional scenes. And um I was sort of thinking, I wonder if between takes, they're just like, what should we have for lunch and chatting to the crew and stuff? Or if, I think everyone's different, aren't they? And some people kind of remain in character. But it would be interesting to be on set at a kind of a proper horror film and see if between shots they're like that. They're kind of going, yeah, you know, the petrol crisis is a blooming nightmare <laughs> at the moment. I'm supposed to pick my kid up from football and then you know in the next bit like as you say kind of gouging someone's eyes out or something. yeah or just a yeah, really monday like having a sandwich but just still like cloaked in loads of blood and yeah. stuff and like yeah yeah i just i think i didn't have a stomach for it before no just the older i get the worse you know like my watch list on netflix is like I think they describe them as like late night comedies, just like really easy stuff where not much happens. And I I'm know. Kind of like, oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> this is nice. And also it has to be half an hour, doesn't it? I think yeah. when you've got young kids, like the idea of watching something that's an hour is still for us. Like we're like, oh, we'll divide it into two halves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have that thing where because your kids watch um, cartoons, it's like, I remember watching the end of, I think it was Time, you know, the, the recent series about prison. You may have missed it because you've just had a baby, but um, with, with Sean Bean, that was absolutely incredible. And again, one of those ones where I'd love to know if, if between takes they were thinking about whether to have a jammy dodger or not. But um, it ended and then it was like up next and it just started playing a cartoon. I think it might have been <laughs> Bing because my kids have watched so many cartoons. It's just messed up the algorithm so much. It was like such a jarring thing. So we were still reeling from like the last scene, which is really emotional. And then it was like the beginning of Bing, like, come on, flop. And I was like, no, no, no. Because <laughs> I sometimes think if we watch like quite a serious thing, we have to watch something like for pudding. This is kind of in the yeah, old days. Yeah, no, definitely. But you know what I mean? Like a half hour mm. like Curb maybe or The American Office mm. or something that's um, just great and really joyful. And it was like Bing was trying to be the pudding. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah, I do not want no. this pudding. <laughs> not now, Bing. <laughs> you should be in bed. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, Wolf Creek is a, is a good choice. Yeah, I just... All of these things, they're more and more a mystery to me. So being stuck with that, I think after a while on Ireland, you'd be like, oh, God, let's just watch it. I just need something to watch. And then you go, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> put Greatest Showman back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be your pudding, wouldn't it? That would have oh, to be. Oh, God, that would have to be pudding. Shredded wheat while you were watching Wolf Creek and then tequila while you were watching Greatest Showman. Well, listening oh. to. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to distract you slightly from it because finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? It's moths because they're the biggest dicks of any animal alive. So we used to live in Elephant and Castle. We got, I don't know how it happened, but probably one moth in the flat, or maybe there was one in there already. And um, we have never, ever got rid of them. So that was like when we first got together, which was 11 years ago. And when we moved house, they just came with us. And um, I've got a real weakness for knitwear. It's like, I love knitwear (laughs) and I'm a knitter as well. And I really love knitting with proper wool, but I've just had, I cannot buy anything made out of real wool anymore apart from really thick wool they don't seem to like um that really thick wool but cashmere it's just i just don't do it anymore oh man i yeah i i'm so with you because we moved house two months ago we had moths in our old flat and we turned up and i was like i think there's a moth in the carpet how does that oh right carpet moths are a thing and then I bought all this stuff, this spray. to, And I'm sure it said it was okay with pets, but you have to sort of keep them out of the way for a while. We've got a cat. And then it said, yeah, but, you know, for it to work properly, you really need to just keep it on for, like, just try and not hoover for, like, two weeks. I'm like, well, I can't keep my cat out of the house for two weeks. So I guess we've got moths then. Like, there's nothing, you know. And then I sort of occasionally see them, and I'll be, like, going around. Like, The good thing is, like, they're small and they stay still, and you can kill them very easily. But then, like, now my son's kind of like, there's a moth, kill it. And I'm like, it is good that he's doing my work for me. But I also feel bad that I sort of taught him this. Because if it's anything else, like ants and stuff, I was like, oh, don't just squash an ant for no reason. Yeah, you don't want him to be, like, in the habit of pointing at any insect and and be like, kill it. Yeah, but but also they leave a fucking mark as well. I know, they leave, like, properly. They leave a mustard smear, don't they? On I know. I don't like killing them and I try not to I try and kind of catch them like you would with a spider and put them outside but it's like when I see one I'm it's like a reminder of the fact that I'll never be free of them it's like they're Mm. mocking me and when and I think the worst is when you get out like a really nice item of clothing that you don't wear very much that and you're like no and like it's got the holes in the back and you're like oh man you know I'm gonna have to throw it away or yeah i i had a thing where like when i first got them there's a few jumpers that you know cause sometimes you don't notice and then you realize you're in a light colored t-shirt underneath and you've just put it on in the morning and you yeah. get to work whatever you're like oh fuck and like people just thought i've been smoking loads of hash and it was hot rocks and it was like <laughs> and i was like no it's moths and it it's sounds moth like rocks. yeah moth rock and it sounds like such a crap excuse it's like because it's a yeah, bit like sure. a cartoon thing you know when you're skint and you open your wallet and moths come out it feels like no one has moth holes what's going on what are you like an old lady or something but they're real and it happens and it happens to me and it, it it's the worst thing is they really like nice wool I wish they lo- didn't uh, you know but yeah absolutely it's kind of it makes you feel a bit grim it's a good excuse if you have got hot rock holes to just say that you've got moths mm. um but yeah I agree like I think they, I feel like they have no function apart from to make my life a misery. Like with spiders, I don't like spiders at all. I'm quite scared of them. Uh, but I understand that they have a function and a purpose mm. and that they're not bad. I feel like moths are evil. Yeah, and I just... Because also as horrible as when 
sometimes something's just eaten and it's like one or two holes. Sometimes something that's been like at the back of the cupboard for ages, maybe you find it when you moved house and you're like, this is decimated. And then you've got to think like, how many have I been living with for how long? Like, what was going on back there? Like, that's just creepy. Yes. And, and they're stupid because the whole thing is aim for the light, which they're never going to get. Like, what's like, you, you've got no game plan. It's like, eat a load of jumpers, fly into a light bulb because you want to get to the moon, which you can never reach. It's just, just stop <laughs> I know. it. It's just, I know. It's quite sweet that they want to get to the moon, isn't it? That's like a fairy tale that they're just eating jumpers and flying into a light. It, it feels like something's <laughs> gone wrong. Like they shouldn't be inside. They should be eating shredded wheat that's outside in nature or something and then actually flying to the moon. It feels like something somewhere has gone wrong with moths. They're not they're not living their best life. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're on a desert island and you've basically got no clothes left, like just seeing the little fuckers milling around is going to be annoying even if you know even if they don't want to eat the clothes that you're wearing they're still going to remind you of just and, and you know and you know at least if it was butterflies it feels like butterflies are going to look down on moths as like they're kind of like less evolved like oh you're not hanging out with those people are you you know like they're like the grunts in society just like what jumpers okay yeah, yeah. do you want to go bang your head against a light bulb and like you know the Butterflies are sucking out nectar from a beautiful orchid. Just going, oh, for God's sake. That's so true. And I think even those big moths, you know, um, my friend's very scared of moths, actually. She couldn't watch the Mothman prophecies. I remember then when that came out. And um, she's as scared of moths as, as, as some people are of spiders, interestingly. But I remember when I lived with her, I used to have to get rid of a lot of big moths. Um, and they can be very beautiful, actually. They can be like butterflies. I don't think they eat clothes. I think the moths that we're talking about are those tiny mustard yeah. colour ones. That I I don't think the big moths, I think they're more evolved and they're like, yeah, I'm not eating that jumper. Yeah, I'm going to go don't... and hang out on a bathroom window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a good choice. And I think, you know what, looking back over, they've been very, very fine choices throughout. So I applaud you for putting together such a, a wretched uh, selection of, of people and things for your island. So uh, bravo, bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, Izzy, uh, what are you up to at the minute that people should know about? Obviously, you've just got a book out. Uh, yeah, I've just got a book out. It's called Jane is Trying, um, which is a novel about a woman called Jane who is engaged to someone, lives in London, has left her hometown in Derbyshire, and then she finds out that he's been cheating on her. So her kind of overprotective parents, like bring her back home and it's about her kind of from that point onwards how she survives um yeah so that's out now that came out in july and um i've also started gigging again and i'm doing lots of new material nights uh, so i will tweet about them basically i've fallen back in love with stand-up having had a little break from it i started it in 2002 and i just needed a a break and then happened to have a break because of COVID <laughs> as well um, apart from weird Zoom gigs um, so it's really nice to be actually in front of an audience yeah. again amazing yeah. brilliant well um, thank you for coming on Desert Island Dicks today it's been a pleasure thank you I've loved it That was Desert Island Dicks featuring Izzy Sooty and a big thanks to her once again for joining me and to you for listening. 
Desert Island Dicks is a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus. Our editor is Chris Attaway. Social media support comes from Jason Leach and a man called Chintzy Clinton. And a special mention to our official statistician, Grand Mamster Flash, and John Deacon for additional contributions. We'll be back next week with another guest and a midweek compact dicks as well. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever and whenever you can. Thank you.